Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Uh, we are here to discuss some of the games from last night, some of the news in the NHL. Uh, Russ, you have some pre-show stuff? Start us yeah. off. So first one to start off with, yeah. as I'm driving around today, I hear a report about the Philadelphia Eagles that Carson Wentz has a strained back Uh-oh. and really isn't going to play this week. And then after that, they'll determine what's going to happen with him. So, so here's the thing you, you watched the game last week and I did watch that game. He definitely got banged around. He's been getting banged around for weeks because the offensive line isn't good. Right. I saw him wincing at one point. So clearly he, right now he's got back spasm. He's got a bad back. They don't want it to get worse. They know they're playing the Rams. If Even if Carson Wentz goes in there, odds are he will lose to the Rams. So Nick Foles is healthy, so they're going to throw Nick Foles in. But the problem is by doing all of this, like sports talk radio right now in Philly is toxic. Right. It's toxic because of this situation. And then the secondary one is the Philly situation where – they all want Bryce Harper. Every Phillies fan wants Bryce Harper, but they signed Andrew McCutcheon. So everybody now today is like, we're fine with Andrew McCutcheon if we get Bryce Harper. Yeah, it, 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 it's toxic on three levels because I'm sure buried buried is third is the is the Flyers. But even when no, the Flyers are buried fourth. The Sixers are the next one, which they're yeah. things are going pretty well with them. And actually, <laughs> on a general day, the Sixers are ahead of the Phillies. But the Sixers is going okay, except Jimmy Butler's hurt. So. It's not that bad, but you know the guy who I do the stick to po- stick to hockey podcast with, Jason. I'm listening to his show, and they are getting bombarded by what we would call idiotic phone calls about. Well, this is fine. Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz, anyhow. Like this has all been held at bay this year with with Wentz playing. Now that Wentz is injured and Foles gets back in, because remember, Foles started the first couple games. He didn't light the world on fire. You know, P- Peter, I have yeah. to, I have to, I have to say this as someone because Russ just mentioned this, and, and as someone who made his notoriety calling in post game shows in Toronto and turning that into a career, I listen to sports talk radio now, and I hear the I hear the callers, and I wonder whether their IQ is over six. Because oh. seriously, it's a like, honestly, it's a like, it's just this dri- this drivel of just cr- uh, uneducated critique, and 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 it 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 just destroys some of these shows. Now, some of them have good callers, and some of them are insightful, but the majority of them is like you know the, you got the knuckle dragging Neanderthals after the Bills game, calling up and saying, "Why didn't they put in this guy for that guy?" I mean, it, it that's the commonality. You know, you know what I find sports talk radio to be now. It's all the people who never learned how to use a computer and social media and don't own a smartphone. It's like, that is your generation gap, right? It's the ones who can't even do that because all those people they're on Twitter, they're in the forums on, on websites and stuff, right? It's the people it's, and it's the old guys. So there was a person one year who decided they would record every post jets post game show 
just for the commentary. And there were people who had future Michael Jello. No, there were people who had like on the show. I mean, things and it's and and I know who they are. They're all from an area in Winnipeg called St. James. A lot of older older families, older neighborhood, and it's the old. Oh, you gotta get a guy who can skate and shoot the puck. Like I mean, it's they all want to be Howie Meeker, and it's it's crazy. And, and, and you know what? It's solid entertainment. If you're not emotionally invested in trying to have an intelligent conversation, uh, it's amazing entertainment. Well, I was really laughing. Is. It's true. Like me, I'm just laughing because none of these are my teams. It doesn't affect me in the least. And so I was literally laughing. But because of these situations, this goes back to sports talk radio when it first came out in 1986, late 86, but in 87, in New York, if you were listening to WFAN, 75% of the calls were about Daryl Strawberry. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and the, funny thing, the funny thing is one of the current hosts uh, on WFAN used to be a caller, Joe. Right. And, and you know, I, I mean, I, I've listened to FAN for a long time. So, like, there are serial callers like Doris and Rigo Park. Yeah, Doris is, is long departed. Long, yeah. Right, and Alan, Al, Alan White Plains, and a few other guys who have tried, tried. But the the, the the thing is, is that you know those those callers brought something, and yeah. honestly, there there are some that are good, and there are some that have some that have good points, and they are able to communicate it. But a lot of them is like, oh, you know, I hate Matt Sundin, and I think they should trade him for a bag of pucks. I'm like, okay, you know, it's like, come on, have have a better take than that. So anyway, I I, just, I think it's devolved into that. And you know, it, it's I think it it's lost its entertainment value, at least for me. So I, I have a I have a certain standard, and I guess they have to live up to mine. <laughs> well, and that's fair. And I think most of the time, it's actually pretty good in this town. But it only takes a couple of things to happen. Like Peter could attest to it. If let's just say in Vancouver, if they made a, a trade today, and the fan base wasn't thrilled with it, Sports Talk Radio for the next two weeks. It's just going to harp on that trade. Like, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, there's certain markets that are really good for it, too. And I I think a lot of sports talk radio has to do with sort of when your opportunity to talk to the host is, the host personality and what they can stick handle around. They've got to be able to take lumps of coal and make diamonds out of it sometimes and keep it on contact. Not all guys can do it. Sometimes it's it's just like a gripe line. Okay. You know, like, could you imagine? I, I can't even I imagine what was being said on, on sports. Yeah. yeah. On sports radio in Philadelphia after the 7 1 beat down the Flyers got. I mean, that's a gripe line thing. But right. if, you, if you're on your afternoon shows, your prime times, your mornings and stuff, you should be able to manage the content and stuff to have some good some good Not content. Caller driven. See, like, I don't want to ever. Exactly. You can't be caller driven. You got to be host driven. Right, they're not in this town. Uh-oh. Yeah, but all of us. but the, the the and this is the ten. And then we'll get off of this and talk about hockey. But this is the tendency that I've known uh, that I've they've seen recently in sports talk radio that I can't stand. Now I I just critiqued the the quality of the caller. That's me as somebody who is a reporter, as somebody who used to be a caller. I have a unique point of view. But you have people, especially in there's one guy in Buffalo in particular that people call up and this guy talks down to them, insults them and hangs up on them early if he doesn't agree with their point or if he doesn't think that they're intelligent enough. This is a guy who used to host the show and he used to say it's yeah. sports talk for smart people. But- 
<laughs> but that's 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 cult of personality, right? Remember the movie Natural Born Killers when everyone's yeah. lining up to get murdered by the by them because yeah. they were celebrities. You you're just calling up to get shot down because you're gonna crack up. Your friends are gonna crack up listening to you get shot down, and then you'll yeah, have to yeah, yeah, some of that. That with Mike Francesa, there's a lot of that. People yes. do that. And they go online with it, and they just try and aggravate them on purpose. Yeah. And some guys from the some guys from the Stern show call up Francesa just to yeah. piss him off. So right. yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's get started here. Uh, Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, December twelfth, twenty eighteen. I'm Peter Tessier in Balmy, Winnipeg. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. It's going into the fifties here. And I'm Mike in <laughs> Buffalo. And I'm Mike Agello. This is the Hockey Buzzcast hockeybuzz.com uh okay let's talk about some games last night i believe there were let's see two four six eight ten games in the nhl last night Woo! we'll start with one the one i was watching um and we won't go too long on it but uh the the leafs uh as opposed to what they did a few weeks ago when they went into raleigh to play the hurricanes uh where the hurricanes registered a league uh, an NHL record, 29 shots in the first period against the Leafs en route to a 5-2 victory. The Leafs had a much better first period in Raleigh, got a lead. Uh, Carolina tied it up. Uh, Leafs get the lead back right away and go on to win 4-1 over the hurricane over the Hurricanes. And two things about this one. We, we sort of talked about it briefly, Russ, last night. Yeah. You look at the Hurricanes. You look at the depth chart of that team. You look at there is definitely quality there, especially on the blue line, especially oh on the right side of the blue line. But after trading Elias Lindholm in the deal to get Dougie Hamilton, who had possibly his worst game of his career last night, minus four, putting the game-winning goal into his own net, um, trading Lindholm in that, and Lindholm was doing really well in Calgary, and then trading Skinner, who at one point was leading the NHL in goals, for a team that can't score. I, and, and, you know, uh, Thomas Dundon did did his uh, tour of Toronto radio and was talking all these positive things about the Hurricanes yesterday. Well, there's one negative about the team. Your team can't score. And and honestly, I think that's going to prevent that team, amongst other things, from making the well, play. Well, two things. They, they can't score and they can't stop the puck on most nights either. Uh, the interesting thing for that team is, and you and I were sort of offline discussing last year, so I just looked up last year. If they want to equal the 83 points they had last year – they actually need to get average a point every game now. So like 53 points is what they need. 53 games is what's left like yeah. that. This is just to not make the playoffs and do what you did last year. So they'll go 500 basically. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, they are worse than last year. Now, sometimes you take a step back to take two steps forward. I don't know if this is the case with yeah. this team because there's a guy, Doug Abrams, on Twitter, who's a very big Canes fan. I, I like Doug, actually. Yeah. He, and, he, he and, he up, and he pointed something out to me that I was unaware of, because unless you're micro-watching a team, you don't get it. He was saying something like Jordan Stahl, before this injury, was like either 0 for 50-something on the power play, goals-wise, or 1 for 50-something, and right. they've not moved him off of there. And so you do wonder, when you see things like that, why? Is it because yeah. he – perform some other function? I mean, maybe. Well, but I, I don't know if it was Doug or somebody else, but somebody was pointing out that Philip Giuseppe was on their first power play. And I'm like, okay, that that, that, that is usable. Yeah. He could do some so, things, but yeah. You know what? What's really funny about the Canes is that 
there's this impression that they've got goaltending troubles. They're not allowing many goals. They've only allowed 81 goals against. They just can't score. No, but they don't stop them when they need to stop them either. There's that. Right, but, but the net thing, Russ, is they've allowed 81. They've only scored 72. Yeah. They've scored the least amount of goals in the end. Oh, no, Kings are 71. Okay. The second least amount of goals. Like... But again, where would they at be? some point and they and remember, let's forget they got rid of Skinner. Right. But all right. So let's take all that away. And we go back to the other part of the Hurricanes, whereas Don Waddell set this roster with Tom Dundon this year. Where would they be if the if the, if the Leafs didn't cut Curtis McElhaney? Right. Yeah. He's, le he's leading the team in wins with seven. Yeah. I think this is the guy who, who got I mean, cut and wait. I think he's. I think he's the only one who's got of the three goaltenders that they've yeah. used who's got a save percentage over nine hundred, and he's hurt right now. And Morazic was not great yesterday. I mean, if so. you're if you're the Canes, I mean, you, this is what, I mean, this is what I don't understand about this team, is underlying metrics. They're 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 the analytics dream team. The they they just can't seem to score. Charlotte's a good team too. Their AHL team is good. Yeah. So yeah. what I don't understand is they have a plethora of assets. Why can't they make moves to improve the team with the most most glaring point of weakness? What is holding them back? And the only thing that I keep coming back to is Tom Dundon and budget. Well, and, see, and 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 this I, is the thing. This is the thing, Peter. I, I had a little bit of an exchange going back and forth yesterday on Twitter with uh, with a, a, a Ian Tullock, who's a works for the Athletic, and we were and we're looking at looking at the at the Canes, and basically I'm, I I look at that team and look at the depth on defense. We know how valuable defense is right now, and obviously I've been fixated on Toronto improving their blue line, and you look at the top six that they have. I mean their bottom their bottom pairing is. Calvin DeHaan, who they signed as a UFA, and and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and they have Jake Bean in Charlotte, Hayden Fleury in Charlotte, and Adam Fox, who I want to talk to you about in a sec, Russ. Yeah. Uh, you know, in on uh, you know in reserve in the organization, and I'm like, okay, you need scoring. You have a position of strength. You could very easily trade a Falk or a Pesci or yeah. you know and, and improve your forwards. And why don't you do that now? I'd have to say it is that budgetary concern because, you know, maybe they don't, they think that they can draft players and call up Martin Neckis, uh, you know, in the second half. Yeah, and Neckis is doing great. I mean, yeah. we actually, we do talk about Charlotte with Patrick Williams on, on Sirius yeah. XM this weekend on Hockey Prospect Radio. We brought them up, and that's another reason I feel good about talking about the Canes right now. But right now, if you look at their home attendance, it's 67.8% after 15 games. Yeah. Now, the, with five, Fox, you wanted to know. Well, okay, he's got 20, he's got twenty points in. A, I think it's eleven games with with Harvard right now. He's a junior, um, so he could declare and after after his junior and say I'm turning pro. And then it's I believe it's an August fifteenth situ situation where he right. if they don't sign him before then he becomes a Will Butcher Jimmy VC situation. Right. I'm telling I'm telling you right now. With the depth that they have on the blue line, do you think Adam Fox is going to say, okay, first of all, is he going to turn pro this year? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on opportunity. If he waits until after he's done in his senior year at Harvard, I think the same thing happens. Uh, yeah, I think same thing happens. But 
he's behind eight defensemen. He's probably going to go in and probably play in Charlotte the first year or two. There are teams in the NHL where Adam Fox steps right into the lineup. Yeah, they're going to have to guarantee that he steps into the lineup. I'm sure of that. And what where, where that means or what does that mean, who knows, because we don't know what the roster will be in the future. Right. But I don't think he knows either because I've spoken to a lot of people about it. And just the same way Jimmy Vesey was really unsure until the very end, right. so was Adam Fox. So – it was nice that Carolina traded for him. It's a dice roll whether he actually plays for them or not because he's going to have his choice of the league. Right, and he, and he can he can wait until this summer and declare, or he can wait until he becomes – until he's a senior, finishes out his senior year, and then and it's automatic. So He's got the hammer. He's got the hammer, and the thing is – there are teams out there, not just Toronto, but Toronto, I'm sure, would be interested. And and I'm sure Kyle Dubas would use the prospect of, hey, you could play with Austin Matthews and you could play with Mitch oh, yeah. Marner, you know, and he would be on an entry-level deal. The, the fact that he would be on ELC for two years or two or three and with, with bonuses, I mean, you know, he could step right in with some team and make make a lot of money right away. So, I mean, that, that's going to be that's going to be something we'll have to follow. Uh, the only note on Toronto on, I wanted to mention was William Nylander gets two assi- two assists in his third game. Looked much more up to speed than he had in the first two games. Um, maybe the criticism will will decrease a little bit about Nylander, but but I still I still think. Um, when it comes to the the outlook for the deadline, and some and Kevin McGrand brought this up in a piece in the Toronto Star, and this is something that Dubas has to think about. You know, Ack mentioned Matthews and offer sheets. We know that that's if it does happen, they'll match. If it doesn't happen with with Mitch Marner, they will match. Where the concern is, the the I think guys who are RFAs like Caspery Kapanen and Andreas Janssen, who are having good years right now, and a team that recognizes uh, the fact that Toronto will be in a pinch in terms of the salary cap could offer these guys, you know, say four million bucks a year, and the Leafs might not might not match. Now, Elliot Friedman talked about this in his Thirty One Thoughts today, and he basically said. Uh, he said, uh, let's see here. Um, one one GM said, "Who wants to be on the receiving end of Toronto's revenge if they decide if, if you offer sheet them?" And the thing is, they're made of money; they can do that. So that's why offer sheet situations in this league—it's all pie in the sky. It's all—it's great in theory. There's a reason why they're not. Anyway, all right. Um, Bruins play the uh, Coyotes yesterday. Uh, Arizona takes a 2-0 lead. Bruins come back, score two goals in 33 seconds in a 4-3 win over Arizona. Um, Russ, the thing we heard yesterday that I thought we both thought was entertaining was that Arizona uh, is going to use a three-man rotation of Calvin Pickard, Darcy Kemper, and Aiden Hill uh, to fill the goaltending situation with the uh, potential – uh, season-ending uh, injury to Auntie Ranta. To me, that says one thing. The price of goaltending is too high out there, and John Chica doesn't want to waste assets to fill plug the goalies. Right. So they have no chance of making the playoffs this year. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Like zero chance. Like their, their chance went out the window with that injury, and so now they're just going to use what they got, and they will once again re- – 
You could rewind. We've done this show for three years, and for every one of these three years, Arizona's in the same spot every year. So they're in the same spot this year again. Yeah, it's, go ahead. It, is the state of goaltending, at least in terms of depth, at an all-time low in the NHL? Yeah, I think I so. Think that's an argu- I think that's an argument that could be made, at least a discussion point. Because if you can even have a quality backup right now, you're in like the top 10% of the league. That's how bad it is. Yeah. And, you know, the that would explain the going market. Hold on. Teams can't hold on to a quality backup anymore, yeah. like Cam Talbot with the Rangers, like Grubauer. Yeah. No, you, exactly. You can't hold I mean, on. Remember when Halak was at his peak, he still only got a second round pick. I mean, right. the, 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 the position's voodoo. Yet here we are, and now there's none available. It's bizarre. I mean, well, it's such a strange scenario. And it, and and the funny thing was like I, the the list of priorities in terms of what I think Toronto will be looking for before the deadline. Obviously, defensemen, and then you know some sandpaper. But I was I was making the point yesterday in my column that you know uh, some depth at goaltending is 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 necessary right now they're you know with the marlies they have emin mcadam and casimir cascasuo they need they need a third goaltender with nhl experience but they can't put them on the 23-man roster so i'm scouring like minor the the minor league teams to see like what options they have and other than like eddie lack and dustin tokarski and michael hutchinson there are not many goalies out there playing and playing in in the ahl who have already gone through waivers that have nhl experience and so even for those guys, teams are going to be asking for, you know, a third, fourth round pick because they know that they're valuable. Right. No, it's just it's almost the NFL where, you know, you lose your starting quarterback. You almost have to scrap the season. You're almost at that point for 70 percent of the teams in the NHL. If they lose their starting goalie, they pretty much have to scrap the season. Now, Russ, we were exchanging messages last night and like the Kings oh. are the Kings are up three to one on the Sabers, yeah. and, and I looked this morning, and the Sabers won four to three in overtime. And apparently, Doughty and Fanuf both got injured in that game, which I, I'm sure spurred the uh, the uh, the comeback of the Sabers. But yeah. now the Sabers. The funny thing is, the Sabers had lost ten, had won ten games in a row, and after after that road trip that they had, where they lost three, they lost another two after that to Toronto and Philadelphia. So they had lost five games in a row. So things were coming off the uh, off the hinges, uh, and now they they straightened it out a little bit with that victory. But it just shows you how bad the Kings really are right now. Yeah, season's over for them. Like it doesn't matter if Quick comes back; he could certainly make it close and get them to where they're. Seven points out of the playoffs, five points out. Everybody's five to seven points out of the playoffs, right? The other day, I looked at it, and if we want to talk about the Islanders in a bigger sense, we can. But I noticed the Islanders play to get into overtime, and and they have four or five points already this year in overtime. You take away those five points, they're out of the playoff race, right? So that's where we are as a league. So the Kings might make it close, and by close, I mean – by that standard, right. but their season's over. It's yeah. there's there's no way of them to catch up in the West. It's not going to happen. They don't even have to announce that they're tanking or rebuilding because it's just going to happen naturally. And Peter, the, with the Sabers, I know that Carter Hutton um, was had a, some sort of minor injury. They had played Olmark the last couple games, and I think Olmark started yesterday. But Hutton was their backup. 
you can't minimize how Hutton has been a part of the resurgence of the Sabres because his numbers, I mean, he's played number one starter time. He's played like 75, 80% of their starts and his statistics are great. So really he's the number one. I mean, all marks has done pretty well and he's a young goaltender and they're sort of spoon feeding the time to him. But Hutton's a big part of what, you know, what has made the Sabres a sort of borderline playoff contender yeah. and can't ignore that. No, you can't at all. I, I think Carter Hutton has been a very, welcome surprise for what's happened with Buffalo because they've tried keepers, they've tried different systems. And I mean, Buffalo has been a, a listing ship for a while. And yeah. you, I mean, there's no secret, the psychological impact of just competent goaltending, what it can do to the rest of a team is right. huge. I think the Sabres are benefiting from that. I mean, I had some, as some criticism about what Housley was doing when I watched them in person, I was blown away. They still, you know, they still ended up, you know, basically making a mess of things for the Jets, but it wasn't pretty yet. Here they are hanging on and in a solid playoff position. They think um, that, you know, as we get into another topic later on, I think they're a team who has some assets could make an interesting push um, to acquire towards the trade deadline, given what they have available to, to use. And Mike, I know I'm jumping a gun, but I, I, I remember when we did our previews, I'm pretty sure I picked the Blackhawks dead last. Not only are they dead last, they're spectacularly dead last. Like they've lost like eight in a row. They're a minus thirty-four differential. Just think about yeah. that for a minute. And when we talked about when we talked about uh, you know teams that might be you know might be uh, looking to make some deals, and I don't know who it was. It might have been Eck, where, where he was talking about the fact that the mindset with Chicago is to do a quick turnaround. Yep. Check your team. Check where you are and realize you're not turning this around real quick. I know you still have two great players in Taves and Kane, but it takes more than two players. You've got two ancient defensemen who are locked up for another four or five years in Seabrook and Keith. They're playing, I think, their thousandth game together uh, the, the next game that they play. But, you know, Duncan Keith is a shadow of his former self, former self, and Brent Seabrook might be one of the worst contracts in the league this year. So you know, It's interesting because if they had a younger blue line and older forwards, they'd actually be okay. Like right. You could actually survive that way. But here, here's what we're looking at with them, though, and what they're probably looking at. They've already got Yokoharu in the mix. He's doing okay, although defensively we know he's not quite there. Right. Adam Boquist is another one of those guys. He's probably going to get moved in there next year. Right. So that's probably giving him a little hope. And, you know, Ian Mitchell's having a great year, but he's not ready yet. But he is another good defense, but he's got 11 points in 14 games for Denver. So he's so, two, three years away. So they do have guys. And so the plan is we're going to just keep it rolling here because in three years we think we can compete again. So you're going to be spending twelve million dollars on your bottom pairing with uh, with yep. Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Yep. Okay. Um, Unless they can deal them to somewhere and get yeah. them to swallow the cap, maybe yeah. Arizona will swallow I, more cap. Well, I know, and and I know this was mentioned on Toronto radio because Duncan Keith's name was mentioned, and the thing was, the the cap hit is not the problem because the cap hits around five two yeah. or five three. The, the the problem is the term. And the problem is, it's one of the it's one of those cap recapture deals. Yeah. So that that's the problem. That's the problem for Chicago is if Duncan Keith goes somewhere and does a Vinny Lecavier and says, "I will retire after two years," 
then all that comes back on Chicago. It's a it's it's a prohibitive cap hit for them. So, you know, I don't know if they, you know, if, if they make a sort of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge deal with somebody where he gets traded back or or he goes on long term injury just to avoid the cap recapture. But that's you know that's a that's a minefield. That's that's something that's. I don't think Keith will do that. Keith, I think, is a guy that enjoys playing so much that you would have a hard time getting him to do that. Right. Um, okay. A game that I turned after I finished watching uh, the Leafs Canes, I, I f was flipping around center ice and caught the last 10 minutes of the Blue Jackets Canucks game. I and, was watching that too. And Peter, I'll start with you because I mean the Canucks got another goal out of Josh Levo, which is just yeah. getting just making Toronto fans like squirm in their chairs. Oh, I told you this guy was yeah. a top six forward, but you know that that and that's Toronto he isn't. It's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, and I'm glad for him because he's paid his dues. He sat yeah. for most of the last two seasons. He's getting an opportunity. You know, he's playing. He's playing with Pedersen. You know, Pedersen gets a goal, a goal and an assist. But the goal, and Russ, you have to talk about this too. The goal that goalie Bob let in with a minute and a half left oh, to go in the yeah. third period. I hope the I hope the Philadelphia Flyers. Spent oh, it was Corpusalo. It was Corpusalo. No, no, no. It was it was Bob. No, Bob didn't play last night. Are you sure? I thought. Yeah, I, I think it was Corpusalo. Okay, then I. Then I. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Before I knew it was Corpusalo, I thought it was Bob too. Yeah, you're right. No, no, they they have odd numbers. Corp, uh, Bob is 72 and and Corpusello is 70. But yeah, that yeah. that was a bad, a really bad goal. Yeah, no question. I, I mean, this was a weird game. I didn't even get to see the Pedersen goals because I kept flipping around, goal and an assist. But this was a game where I enjoyed watching what Vancouver was able to do, and I was sort of cringing at what Columbus wasn't doing. Columbus was showing so much Brandon Dubinsky on the broadcast that you know there's a problem with your team if Brandon Dubinsky is the focal point. Don't get me wrong. I like Brandon Dubinsky. But if he's the focal point of a game, you're not doing well in that game. And so that that game, I got to tell you, and you look at Pedersen, and I hope everybody believes me now that forget about him winning the Calder. He could win bigger awards than that. He's got 32 points. If 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 they get close to a playoff spot, he could win the heart. He, he could. really could. I mean, yeah. that's a long ways yeah. away, but I'm just saying this is the quality of player he is, and him and Besser are electric. People could bitch and moan all they want about Vancouver and bitch about Tyler Mott playing or not playing, which, by the way, I like the way Tyler Mott was playing because mm -hmm. he was getting in Dubinsky's face. And he was causing problems, and he can skate, and he can play defense. He could do a lot of different things. They, people may have hated when they signed Louis Erickson, and people like Mike may never forgive them for that, even though they were trying to get one more little bit out of the Sedins. But what's happened in the process is Jim Benning's made a lot of good trades. And a lot of these – and I talked about it. A lot of these what we would call middling trades that he has filled the lineup with has really accessorized this team nicely – with their growing young talent, like Jake Bertanen had a nice goal last night. Or if he didn't get a goal, he was right in the crease there. I got to say, I there's a good future for this team, and it's coming. It's not this yeah, year, but it's know, coming. It is coming. You know, it's, it's fun. It'd, it'd be nice if that was the goal for, you know, if you're a Vancouver fan, that's the kind of goal you wish that made it a one-goal game with a minute left, not the take-the-lead goal, because you still yeah. kind of want to lose. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the other thing, Russ, that is 
sort of not getting noticed amid, uh, amidst the Pedersen hype and, and, and then also what Besser brings to things is Jake Vertanen mm-hmm. is starting to play like the guy people thought he was going to and be four or five years ago. Because I supported him all this time. You, you've been a, a staunch supporter of Vertanen. Yeah. Um, for years and you know there's a lot of people who second guess that pick you know he had some shoulder troubles i believe it was he you know he had, he had some injuries he just couldn't get going now they've got a whole shotgun jake thing there whenever he scores yep. you know they've got t-shirts people are going to mike hallford and he's retweeting them a guy shotgun and beers there's some joke in vancouver now i'd like to get someone to actually explain the history of it for me yeah yeah it's hilarious but you know, it, it, it's it's typical Vancouver when things are when things are darkest there. They find hu- the fan base finds humor in everything and just makes a, it makes it fun. And all of a sudden, the team's fun again for all the right reasons, even and, if they're not like a, a truly competitive team. And the thing is that Bertanen is the type of player that we were talking about yesterday, where he's got the skill. Uh, he's he's not Tom Wilson, but he's no. big. He's tough. He's he hits. He has that aggressive game, but he's also really skilled. He has the ability to be that top six, top nine guy who's just impossible to handle. And if he if he continues on the on the uh, you know where he's going right now, he's going to be a key player for them in the next few years in terms of their team concept. So yeah, I mean that's um, let me let me move on to the uh, Capitals Red Wings game. Just touch on this quickly here. Uh, Jonathan Bernier gives up five goals on fifteen shots. Nice signing. Um, the 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 thing that I found funny, and we're we're talking about goaltending, and Jimmy Howard's name is out there in terms of a goaltender that is on the market. He is a rental. He is a UFA at the end of the year. He's playing fairly well with them in front of a team that is not very good. That's going through a reorganization. Ken Holland is putting it out there that he wants a first round pick for Jimmy Howard. Uh, Ken, not happening. No way. Yeah. There will be a market for him. Yeah. It's going to be robust. But not a number one. Not a first round pick. Who's the the last goalie to be traded for a first round pick? I think was Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller? Ryan there was a number there was a number one. St. Louis sent a number one in that deal to Buffalo in the Ryan Miller deal. Oh, right. Oh, I was that's a while ago though. Yes. Yeah. I but was that, was, that, that, that was before that was before Corey Schneider, wasn't it? Yeah, it was before Corey Schneider. So Bo was basically a ninth overall pick. Yeah. Yeah, Bo Horvath Horvath for Corey Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. And at the and and at the draft in New Jersey. So (laughs) only Lou would trade a first round pick in his home arena. Yeah. Nobody else would have the guts to do that. Uh, that's true. I'm looking at it. Was there a first rounder in the Longo deal? Yeah, but that was after. Miller was what 2012, 2013? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was after Luongo, wasn't it? It may, it may not have been. Much, I, mean, I, I, no, I don't I don't think so. It was it was Jacob Markstrom and I think a second round pick. I don't think there was a first in there. Uh it is I, Markstrom. I'm looking to see what the pick I, I was. think it was a second. Do you look it up while while we uh just talk about a couple other games? Uh Minnesota yeah, skipping over the blues being the Panthers. Uh Predators beat the Ottawa Senators three to one. Uh, this one is uh, interesting. The Minnesota Wild lay a whooping on the Montreal Canadiens, a seven one. Now, Russ, I know you you projected Minnesota 
uh, for glory this year, and I'm not going to, you know, rip on that. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. They, they have a winning record. They're only a couple points out, so I'm not that's, working That's out. That's true, but but the Can- the Canadians have been, you know, they're, they're like in the wild card mix right now, but honestly, even with the return of Shea Weber, I, I think they're. I think their their shine is starting starting to fade a little bit. You know, Carey Price. We're 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 approaching the halfway mark of the season. We're at like the 30, 35, you know, thirty to thirty five game mark right now, and Carey Price is still not Carey Price. He's less than that, and I think they need Carey Price to be Mister nine thirty save percentage for yeah, them to make. The point. I agree with that. He's got to be the one of the best goalies in the league, or yeah. there's no chance for this team. I mean, that's the Weber thing coming back. I think it's always going to be an adjustment when the guy hasn't been there all year. But I think that'll settle in. But but he's been playing twenty. He's been playing twenty five minutes a night, and he scored a goal. It's not him. It's the fact that I. It's almost like, and we've seen this before. A big player comes back, and everybody relaxes. Yeah, yeah. we got to fill in for Shea. Oh, Shea's back. Well, he's not everything, right? Yeah, he's not everything, and and the interesting thing is, is you think about Toronto just went through that with Matthews, yeah, and you know they found, and that's you know that's probably the difference between Mike Babcock and Claude Julian and how you adjust to these things, and and everything, and and what you what you do, you've got to work with those guys. But the other thing is, is I mean, Weber's a big a big player for the team, no question. But the biggest player for that team is Carey Price. Yes. And and there will never be, I mean, Carey Price's contract should be the one contract that every GM has like on the top of their office wall, just the numbers and the timeline and the value of it. And they should look at it every day to remember never, ever, ever, ever do that again. Like no goalie should ever get strung out to a contract like that at that age ever you eight let him years, walk eight years 84 million, million. 10.5 per yeah Goodbye. yeah you let him walk what what could you do with that 10.5 million a year if you had it right now yep. instead of paying carry price you that's what you have to ask yourself and if you can't come up with something better for particularly for a goalie at yeah. that age then you shouldn't be doing a G- you shouldn't be a GM of a team. Yeah, uh, Actually, Mike, I can't seem to find uh, what pick, so I'll say you're right. But I did find this in the process. Here's an interesting trade because I knew Trevor Kidd had gotten traded a couple times at the deadline. Yeah, let's figure out who got the better of this trade. Carolina acquires Trevor Kidd and Gary Roberts. This is in 1997. Gary Roberts for Calgary with for Calgary for Andrew Castles and J.S. Jaguar. And then this was this was when Gary Roberts forced his way to be traded because the Calgary would not play him because they thought he was going to paralyze himself with his right, neck. Yeah. So yeah, well, but well, the th- I think the thing you have to factor in there is Jaguar didn't become Jaguar until he went to Anaheim. He didn't really do much when he was with Calgary. He never got an opportunity. Right. To. So I would I would I would say that uh, that Carolina got the the advantage in that deal. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair to say. I'm trying to see now what they got for Jay Shiger, which probably even less. Uh, <laughs> the Ducks gave him a second round pick, and it turned into Matt Pettinger. Ooh, 
Yeah, and it just like just like Calgary got Mika Kippersoff from San Jose for I think a second or a third round pick of something like that. But here's one of Mike's favorite trades. Oh God, Jason Blake and Vesa Toskala go to the Anaheim Ducks for JS again. I love that deal. Believe me, I popped cha- I popped champagne when that <laughs> when that deal was made because Jason Jason Blake was the was a prototypical John Ferguson Jr. signing. He had a he had a, an antagonistic winger in Darcy Tucker, and all he did was sign Jason Blake for, I think it was five years, $25 million, after he scored 40 goals with the Islanders. And it was one of those salary grab deals. You know, it was like one of those, you know, I had my best year, and then I'll go back to scoring 18 goals because that's who I really am. Um, all right, two, two Actually, other. Um, chat room. Patrick does have Leonard was traded for a first at the 2015 draft. Alan White, you're right. I, you're, you are right. That's right. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, okay, two other games quickly. One, uh, Peter, uh, Winnipeg beats the Chicago Blackhawks 6-3. to three. How bad are the Blackhawks? The Blackhawks were pretty bad. Um, I did see that Cam the, Ward, that Cam Ward save on who was I mean, Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor is going to have nightmares of Cam <laughs> Ward. Like, uh, that was unreal. But – I mean, there's just a mess. Like, there's no jump. There's no nothing. The Jets are up three nothing before they could blink. It was four nothing in the second. Um, you know, the Blackhawks came back to me. They actually clawed back to make it four three. Very typical. They're meeting at the end of November. Very similar. And then the Jets just kind of put the hammer down five three on a pro power play goal. I think the power play connected two or three times last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, an empty netter, and it was all done. Um, you know, there's a little pushback. The Jets are kind of known for taking time off in games. I mean, score effects, they kind of let it, you know, and, and it was Brassois and Net. He probably wants two back, two of those four back, not best. And he didn't get tested until 17. He didn't face a shot until the 17th minute of the game. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, it's bad. The, the other game was, and I watched a little bit of this one, um, was Edmonton and, and Colorado. And that was, I mean, I checked in on that one because I thought the, the, the matchup was so dynamic. And it was one nothing, uh, And it seemed to be playing into Hitchcock's hands in terms of, uh, you, know, sort of you know, two dynamic teams and he's playing, you know, the Peterborough freeze. It ended up being 6-4 Edmonton. But the news on this game afterward, which could have a, a detrimental effect on the Oilers, is that Oscar Clefbaum um, – had a hand injury uh, that that they're sending him back to Edmonton, and they say it could be weeks, not days. Uh, and he's arguably their best defenseman. And for an area on that team that is, I think, sorely lacking, if they lose Clefbaum for say four or six weeks, I think that this little spurt that they're having, it's yeah. it's it's you know, uh, Koskinen. Oh, wait, Mike, Mike, Miko Koskinen is the best goalie in hockey right now. They'll be fine. Oh God. Okay. Yes. I know. Wait, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree there. I, I'm, wait, can you argue his numbers? No, I'm. I'm not arguing his numbers, but uh, you know, he's having a good couple weeks. Is he the? Yeah. He's not the best goalie. Look, right they're now in the Hitch, they're moment, in the Hitchcock bump, and this, they are in the Hitchcock bump. But he's got a nine twenty seven save percentage, a two two all goals against, and I want to say he's got three or four shutouts. Nominated like, for the Vesna. Go ahead. Look. Ken Hitchcock does not want to win game 6-4. No. That's not Ken Hitchcock hockey. So when he can get the 2-1, the 2 one nothing, the 3-1 wins, right. that's great. But if if that team is going to slip back into those 6-4 games and into that mode of playing, 
it doesn't matter what you, what Ken Hitchcock wants. It's not going to, it's going to be on the, uh, it's going to be on the four side of that six, four more often than not, unless, yeah. unless whatever Koska, whatever his name is, Koska, makes, Koska, Koska. It, it plays like the second coming of Varlamov. And he is right now after 15 games so yeah. far, he is. It, this is, trust me, this is one of the craziest stories in hockey because when he was right he was an Islanders draft pick, and the Islanders basically just let him go. And in the then second round, in the second round, which I thought was incredibly high for this guy, and at the time I was proven right because he didn't do anything. So then the Islanders do give him up, and he kicks around, and he goes to the KHL. But this year, the Islanders tried to get him back. Right, Rumor right. has it that they were in on him with Edmonton, and he went to Edmonton. Wow. Yeah, and then and the fallback for for New York was was Robin Leonard. So right, you know. Um, all right, just a couple a couple other things here. We'll, we'll Russ, we'll hold the World Junior talk till tomorrow because I think we sure. can, what we can Funny go. Um, Pierre LeBrun wrote in in, in the Athletic uh, regarding uh, the the Flyers and and Chuck Fletcher uh, that they're a team that is looking to make a deal before the Christmas trade freeze. And I don't think that they're alone. I think you know. I think I believe it's the nineteenth. So we're talking about next week. We're talking next week. Uh, next week Wednesday. So, although if Brian Burke was a general manager, the freeze would already be in place. Right. Um, now, I, I think that that's true. I think there are a number of areas where Philadelphia wants to make some sort of move. But I think that there are other other teams that are looking to make a move before the trade freeze, just to shake things up. Uh, I'll go first. I think St. Louis is going to do something yep. because they're bad. Um, I they they may think that they're their season is, yeah. They, I think you know they're they're. I don't know if they're, they think their season is over with. I'm still wondering whether you know the the uh, hiring of uh, Baruby is a temporary move and whether they're in on Quenville like Philadelphia might be in on Quenville. But I think that the dynamic with that team is. Um, there are players in their core that they might be willing to move. And one thing from Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts that I thought was interesting was that um, the Pitterangelo talk may have been connected to William Nylander. <laughs> the Leafs basically said he's six years older than Nylander. He's only locked up on another contract for another year. And in terms of asset value, if they're trading Nealander, they want somebody who's locked up long term. So that move they didn't think would make sense. But Peter Angelo and Pareko and Tarasenko are out there. I think Doug Armstrong's in a posture to make moves before the before this for trade freeze. Honestly, I look Flyers are one, no question about it. I'll cover the Flyers, and it's still going to be really hard to pull something off. And they're eight games behind, eight points out with three games in hand. So at this point, what are you really going to spend asset-wise to possibly, if you're the Flyers, let's say, to possibly try and get in the race? If you're trading with Doug Armstrong, you're pretty much giving up a first-round pick or you're giving up somebody like Isaac Ratcliffe or some really great prospect that, you know, and, and, and are you really doing that for yet another goalie to sort of keep this season afloat for the fan base. Like, I, I, if this is the hardest decision to make. I don't see the Flyers coming out on a good side of this if they do it. Honestly, J 
Okay, you, everybody talks about Joe Sackick being GM of the year for getting Ottawa's first-round pick in the three-way deal, the Taurus Duchesne yeah. deal. Jason Botterill should be up there as well. He got St. Louis's first-round pick in the Ryan O'Reilly deal, yeah. and right now they're in the bottom three or four of the NHL. Yeah. I don't think they're making the playoffs. The, the Sabres have an opportunity to get Jack Hughes, and they will have a good opportunity to get Jack Hughes with that first-round pick. And imagine Jack Hughes on as, as your number two center and moving Casey Middlestat down to number three. Yeah. Eichel, Hughes, Middlestat with Darlene on defense. My yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be scary. I do want to take credit still for Ottawa not being the worst team in the league. Yeah. Michael Jello, they would not be the worst team. I in the said league. two years ago. I said two years ago. Oh, not, but even last, this year, you were somebody said it. Pretty bad. I don't think I said the worst in the league. Maybe well, they're they're not even close. Like they're fourth so, in the bottom and just the uh, in the east. Somebody pull up the tape. Uh, by the way, after we talk about a few more of the, these teams, we'll take some questions in the chat to end up the sh end the show. So start putting your questions in there right now. Um, okay, so Philadelphia, St. Louis. Um, I, I had, I mean, I had, I had Philadelphia and St. Louis written down, uh, and I know I when we sort of were chatting before, I said sort of before the the trade deadline, but it, or not trade deadline, but before the Christmas break. But I do think Buffalo is in a position to make a significant deal as we get down longer term to the trade deadline. They have so many assets in terms of draft picks. I think they have four first round picks. Is that correct? They have their no, they have the they have their own. They have San Jose's from the Kane deal and they have St. Louis's. They have their okay, own I, Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how I came up with that. I thought I saw something anyway. I think somebody because, said they, they have four first round picks over the next two years. They have that's three, it. they have three this year. Right. So I mean they three this year is a huge benefit. Yes. And and so that you know they've got San Jose as their own in St. Louis. So you know I think that they're going to spend if they hang on and stay in this playoff position area, they are going to want to shore something up some way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, and I could see them wanting to add defensive depth because they're not going to have Bogosian for the playoffs because you know he's going to be injured. So <laughs> so you've got to add something there. But yeah, let's have the, a other, the other team I had who could potentially think of making a trade is the wild. I think the wild are underperforming. I don't think Boudreaux's on the hot seat, but something's not clicking there. Russ. And <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think Peter's got something there because they would like to probably get out from under some of the cap problems that they have. Yeah. And if they, if they could trade one of their, one of their guys, whether you know, I don't think it's going to be on the blue line anymore. Though I think it would have to be a forward, probably. Um, if it is, if it is on the blue line, it would be a guy like Spurgeon who's got a year right. left in his contract. Yeah, but I don't so think they're, they're not trading. Matt, they're not trading Matt Dumba. No, 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 no. But I don't even think they're going there. Like I think, honestly, I think it would be it would have to be somebody in the starting lineup. Like I got to look at them and see who the I, I know that Pierre, I know the Pierre Lebrun on the inside TSN insiders was talking about Charlie Coyle being a possible trade uh, chip. Yeah. yeah. Charlie Coyle would be a good trade chip for somebody. I could see Charlie Coyle, but he's not going to, I don't know if he's going to bring exactly what they want. Like they probably need another playmaking type there. Like that's, that's what I see them needing they've got you know right now they've got parisi and stall healthy which i said yeah. was half the battle 
Well, they were they they were supposedly they were supposedly a team that was intrigued about Neilander. So I mean, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I I don't think that's going to happen for this season. I think that if he gets moved, it's going to be next summer, uh, next July after the bonus. But you know, they could be looking for. I mean. They could trade from a position of strength because I th- still think their defense is pretty deep. If they could, if they could find a forward who makes a difference, yeah. Because if you look at if you look at the way they are, like Niederreiter's underperforming. Maybe yeah. I, maybe they they would trade Niederreiter. I mean, and that's Nico Koivu was hurt, I believe. Yeah, Koivu's hurt. Um, so maybe you know maybe Niederreiter. Maybe they put him up and and see what kind of action they can get on him because he's still only twenty five and. That that may not be a bad move because if you look at them, they've got one, two, three, four guys in double digit goals. Zucker's five, but as far as assist guys, Brandlin's got twenty, Suter's got nineteen, Koivu's got seventeen, but he's hurt. They really don't have a lot of assist guys. A lot of their assists are coming from the blue line, and, yeah. and so if they could get somebody like that who is a pass first guy and trade him for Niederreiter, who has been known to score goals, he's had. 24, 20, 25, 25, 18. That might be the trade. That might be the little clicky kind of trade that could really help that team. I I'll put one team on my on my list, and then we'll go to uh, go to some questions here. I think the Ottawa Senators might be willing to do something because in the last week they lost Duchesne, and it's a week to week injury. They lost Bobby Ryan again. I don't know if it's a hand injury, but it's something. But you know, this is a team where the bottom line, where the where the dollars matter, and if they have an opportunity to move somebody out, because they're in a youth movement, they're you know they're uh, now the only thing with them is they don't want to finish low in the standings because all they're doing is helping Colorado's chances of getting Jack Hughes. But they have enough youngsters in their organization that they can move up, move out a veteran and bring up somebody young. You know, like if they trade Craig Anderson, they bring up Philip Gustafson to right. be the goaltender. Then, you know, that's I, – I think that that's something that uh, that, that people are going to do. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a likely move, but I'm mean, we'll see. Um, Russ, check the chat to see if we had any questions. We do have some questions now. Whether we have good questions, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, this first one from Esmir Kusevic. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. What do you do if you're Ray Shiro in New Jersey? That's a good one, man, because we've been talking about New Jersey all year. Well, this and this is the thing, and we've talked about this before. Is ownership invested there because they have like 15 million in caps, and it's like we know that they have you know Taylor Hall, and they know we know that Taylor Hall is going to have to be paid. I think he becomes eligible next July for an extension, so they're going to pay him big money. They got Heeshear, they have Will Butcher, they have some good young guys. Uh, they they you know if they think that Corey Schneider is done, they they need to pay. Um, they need to pay Keith Kincaid on a new contract because he's a UFA. So yeah. I mean, they, you know, there are players they have to sign, but they're nowhere good enough right now. Oh, I mean, right now they have to sort of look at things and say, all right, if someone's going to be dangled who has a little term on them, we could take that guy and we can give him some young assets in return. So if you're looking you got to be looking at a guy that's got a couple years left on a deal who could help them offensively because offensively they they've got problems. And then they do have some young assets that they could, you know, turn around and, and trade you. I don't know though 
off the top of my head who's really going to help that team. But just for argument's sake, just because I brought up Niederreiter, Niederreiter would add offense to that team. What could they offer for Nino Niederreiter? Uh, you know, that's Mike McLeod or something like that. Yeah, it would probably be someone like Mike McLeod. And maybe, you know, because there's a lot of veterans in Minnesota, they bring him up and see if McLeod could be that spark or that catalyst. That could be something. I mean, that's, you know, that's something plausible. But I, I really don't have a good plan for what New Jersey should do because what they needed to do was it should have been done in the offseason, and that was bring in some scoring. They didn't spend any money. They thought they had it within. They don't have it within. So and, that's And right now they have 26 points. They're last in the East, uh, a point behind Philadelphia. They're only – they're tied with St. Louis, L.A. at 24, and Chicago at 23. So they're at the bottom of the league right now. But they're not like those teams where they're laid – they're, they're – they're, weighed down with long-term contracts they're you know their money you know they're they're fairly i mean i think they have like one or two guys that are signed like three years out it's like uh uh sami vatanen and damon severson and they have nobody else really long term other than schneider right and, and he's a disaster right now okay next question so next question is and this is from adam what could palmanville get for a return for buffalo they're not going to trade him no he's not going anywhere matter of fact he'll probably come back cheap next year Peter, this is the I, I was talking to a reporter a couple weeks ago up in Toronto, and it was regarding Skinner and how, you know, right now, like if this was in the midst of the 10 game winning streak, and we were talking, and like, I'm like, wow, Skinner's just scoring like unbelievable right now. And it's like, yeah, now the, now the Sabres are in a quandary. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I says, they didn't trade for him to keep him, they traded for him to, you know, be a one year patch to, you know, work with Eichel, and now you know he's got two, over twenty goals, and it puts him in a position where, you know, if he wants seven, seven and a half, eight million dollars, and he works so well with Eichel, you can't, in all good conscience, just walk away from that. So, can they trade him if they're in the playoff race? There's no way they're trading him. No. Sometimes you just you have to hold on. Yeah. For the right reasons, and considering the lack of playoff appearances the Sabres have, um, have had, and it would seem that you have to do that to prepare to let him go, knowing that you have three first round picks this year and the potential of, of having a lottery shot at Jack Hughes. That's a risk I'm prepared to take. And the Sabres may have traded for him. Um, but I think it's very premature to say they'd made up their minds when they traded for him that he was only a one-year fix. I, I don't think you do that for a Jeff Skinner kind of talent. Jeff Skinner's pedigree says more than that. You well, might do that with an Evander Kane. Yeah. You well, sure well, don't do it with a Jeff Skinner. Let's just say this, because I remember the talk after the trade and the talk during the preseason. Yeah. The, the, hope, the hope was Skinner would be successful, but the fact he's from the Toronto area, and the fact that Buffalo was close and his family would be close, that they if, if he if he liked the situation in Buffalo, that they could get him locked up long term on something fairly reasonable. That's out the window because he's hitting the home run right now. And if you're talking seven, seven and a half million dollars, um, you're probably not doing that because they already have a Pozo signed up. They, they, you know, they're going to have to pay Darlene and Middlestat and maybe Sam Reinhart and a couple other of their young guys down the road. So I don't think they want to lock themselves up 
on you know somebody who's an old 26. I mean, he's 26 years old, but he's been in the league since he was 18. He's had concussion problems. I mean, he's having a great year, but you're going to be paying him on that great year, and it might be something you really don't want to pay that much for. So I mean, right, here, yeah. here's another one. Toronto Greenhouse, and we know he's always smoking. Um, first is too high for Howard, but maybe a second or a decent prospect from a team that really needs him. All right, so let's let's okay. say for argument's sake, Jimmy Howard's dangled out there to the Flyers. Okay, the Flyers, and let's say they ask for for Robert Hag and a pick. Okay. I think I think you could see a trade where it's Jimmy Howard and like a sixth for Robert Hag and like a fourth. I, I think you could see that because I think Philly then would call up Philly Myers, who's got 15 points in 27 games. He's a plus seven and roll the dice on that and try and solidify their goaltending position. And Howard's got a year left, right? Right. Would, 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 uh, no, no, he's a UFA at this the year. UFA, but they could still try and he might be yeah. one goalie that they might be able to get on a two year, but even if they get him on a three year, you just gotta, if they, if he does well, then you just gotta bite the bullet on that. You do. Yeah, I, I think I think a guy like Craig Anderson's a better fit because he's got another yeah, email. Anderson they'll want a first. There's no question in my mind they will right. want Right, and Philadelphia's not giving up a first round pick because they're in a lottery right now. Right. But I'm just saying for Anderson, don't you I mean, Peter, don't you agree that for Anderson they're gonna want more than what Detroit will want for Jimmy Howard? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially because Absolutely. that year especially yeah. because of that year left. Yeah. 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 The year on the year on the salary means a lot. But for Philly if they want to sort of keep this thing afloat, they could trade Jimmy Howard and they could trade one of their younger defensemen where Haig is somebody that would hurt a little bit. But again, if you go look at most of those uh, drafts or, or you know mocks for Seattle when they come in, what the expansion draft will look like like for them, Robert Haig is one of those guys that ends up going to, to Seattle anyhow. Yeah, I, I'm just looking up as, as we speak here the – the UFA goaltenders for, and you got to remember, these are the, going to be the guys who are that teams will be looking at in terms of rentals. Um, and one second here, this is good podcasting here. Um, okay, Bobro, I mean, Bobrovsky is going to be on the market. Varlamov, Mike Smith, Jimmy Howard, Cam Talbot, and then it goes way down. It goes Ward. Brian Elliott, Neuverth, Anders Nielsen, Koskinen might be, you know, a little higher. You know, Robin Leonard. I mean, there's there's eight, seven, eight goaltenders, and uh, that list. I mean, Bobrovsky's number one, Varlamov's the number one. I don't think any of the other ones are no doubt number one. Right. Well, here's the yeah. thing. So, if you're looking at it from Fletcher's standpoint. Are you going to give Bobrovsky ten million a year for five years? Because that's what it'll take, or nine million a year for five years? No, probably not. Right? So cross. It's, it's asinine where they are. It, okay, I know, but it, it's not impossible. It's not. No, it's not. Not impossible at all. They have cap room. But so. I'm just saying it's probably not their number one choice. But let's just put that on the back burner. So you look at Bob and you say, "All right, let's put Bob on the back burner." So now we're looking at Verlamov. He's going to want seven or eight million, probably seven million dollars. A year, and he's not taking anything less than three years. There's yeah, no way. I could see, I could see six, six and a half for three years, something like right. that. Yeah. So, especially coming off a good year with Colorado. So, are you doing that? If you don't do that, then the fall off in this goalie market is great, right? Because those are the two really true number ones, and then everything else is 
falling off a different measure of a cliff. Cam Talbot might be next. So, like, this is where I'm saying you could see where Jimmy Howard fits in this year. And then how do you know? He might be a good fit for them temporarily. And then maybe there's something you could do because otherwise you could be making a six to nine million dollar mistake yeah. bringing in one of those other guys on more term. Well, there. I mean, there's there's more cost certainty if you trade for a Craig Anderson, and if you don't give up a first round pick this but year, they want a they, first. They right, but, right. But say okay, say they they don't. You know, if the Flyers give them somebody they drafted in the first round, like a Rube okay, Morgan Frost, Morgan no, yeah, Frost for Craig him. Anderson. Yeah, that's not happening. But okay. okay, but I'm just saying. But that's what yeah, they're like. I, I I see where you're coming from, and I know that I know that I know that Ottawa wants to so badly to get back in the first round because they screwed up and gave up their first yeah. round pick in the in the other deal. So I, I get that, and that's that's the same mentality with St. Louis here. That's why I think St. Louis, if there are deals out there, if truly Pareko, Peter Angelo, other players are being are being shopped, and if they make a deal before the deadline, the prerequisite is going to be we get a first round pick back in that deal uh any more questions uh let's see can buffalo trade to seattle for future considerations <laughs> not yet no there's not even a gm in place so that's not happening yeah that can't happen uh all right so here's two dope is saying ty smith for palat or killorn that is suicide you are going to trade a guy who could be a two or a four in the NHL in a couple of years because he's on an accelerated pace now for a guy that is a 15 to 18 goal scorer, 20 goals. And I, I question whether it goes, it, goes, it goes back to whether Josh Harris wants to spend money. Why would he trade? A, a one of their better prospects for a guy like Pilat or Kalorn who are making either four or close to five million dollars or Tyler Johnson. Why would they? Why would they do that? Only he only does that if he wants to invest more money in the in, in that organization. And we're skeptical of whether he wants to right now. So I, yeah. I mean, I could see one of those guys going to Arizona or something like that because they always need caps. They always need somebody to get to the cap floor. Yeah. So BK Ups is asking. Is Thomas Shabbat going to win the Norris or Riley? Uh, if the season ended today, those are probably the top two vote getters. Um, I don't think Shabbat uh, right now, unless Shabbat keeps this ridiculous pace. Which he could. He could. He could. He could very well. But the thing is, I mean, he's. I mean, technically, he's not a rookie. I think he's. I think he. No, he is through. a rookie. Okay, so. You know how you know how it works when it comes to like awards like the Norris. You have to sort of work your way up into. No, no, he's not technically a rookie. He played sixty three games. Right. Okay. So he's a second year guy. So I, I think he'd be in the mix, but I think he'd end up even if he continues to have this kind of year to be like fourth or fifth. I think it's going to be well. Is okay. Dowdy's not going to be in the mix because the Kings are so bad. Weber's been hurt. Carlson's having a subpar year. It'll be Brent Burns. It'll be Sue Banner, Yossi. It'll be you know John Carlson, Riley. I mean, there's you know I, I I think it'll be guys who have proven more and been more consistent if than Josh gets yeah. 65, 70 points. Right. Morgan Riley will have to have close to that to win it. Otherwise, Shabbat is going to be right up there. I mean, yeah. it is a possibility. 
Riley scoring more than a point per game. So I, I don't think that's going to continue, but stranger things have happened. So, all right, um, we'll end it there. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. Uh, for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.